It's July 18th, 2022. And this is the Watson Weekly, your essential e-commerce digest. Today on our show, KOTU's view of the market is cautious but still optimistic about good firms long term. Glut of goods at Target and Walmart is good for liquidators. Victoria's Secret restructures its management team and executes layoffs. Amazon Prime Day recap, always crazy but still good for Amazon. And finally, the Investor Minute, which contains five items this week from the world of venture capital, acquisitions, and IPOs. But first, in our shopping cart full of news. KOTU's view the market is cautious but still optimistic about good firms long term. A report from KOTU ran across my desk recently and I thought it would be interesting for those looking for another view of the economic situations. If you haven't heard of KOTU, they're a global investment fund manager who managed about $73 billion last year. Their take is as follows. First, the market can give off false positives pretty often on the way down, so don't be fooled. Second, just because overvalued tech startups are the first to feel the pain in a downturn doesn't mean that when these companies flush out that the downturn is over. There is probably more to come just behind this. Third, the market is still failing to differentiate between good and bad companies. This point in particular I thought was interesting, which means that we may be barely at the beginning of the downturn. One data point they surfaced to point out this made me laugh a little bit. They compared Wayfair to Shopify, saying that Wayfair's stock is off 84% off its high, but its revenue declined 20% year over year. Shopify's stock off 79% off its high, but has over 20% year over year growth and is profitable. How do both of these make sense in the same market? Their point is that everyone is just trading on macro trends, not on individual stocks. Fourth, KOTU feels that about $1 trillion in value could go missing from the startup and IPO market. This contradicts the statement from some other plays out there that VCs are still sitting on a lot of cash just waiting to deploy. Actually, both could be true. KOTU outlines the three potential paths forward for the economy. Let's play them through here. One path is an optimistic V-shaped recovery. The firm assigns a very low likelihood of this outcome primarily because of the run-up was based on a surplus of money and overinflating earnings multiples across the market. With inflation still red hot in last week's report, this seems unlikely. Another path is a soft landing. This is certainly possible. This view holds that the Fed is on the right track and this is potentially transitory but things will not return exactly to the previous normal. With inflation rising 9.1% in June, it almost seems like a foregone conclusion that the Fed will raise interest rates again another 75, maybe even 100 basis points. In that case, it could definitely lead us in this direction. What happens after that is the big question, which leads us to our final path they outline, which is called the hard landing. They will give the highest probability to this outcome. If high inflation is sustained, it will cause a lot of damage to the consumer. On top of this, If geopolitical risks escalate and the Fed overshoots by raising interest rates too high, this could be a simple recipe for a recession. To wrap up, I am most encouraged by the data that the market seems to be trading mostly on macro trends and not individual stocks. This means if your fundamentals are good, things could bounce back for you in the next year once investors come back to their senses and there's a flight to safer companies. Our second story. Glut of goods at Target and Walmart is a boon for liquidators. 
If you haven't heard by now that major liquidators like Target and Walmart are dealing with excess inventory, you certainly haven't been listening closely enough to this podcast. While this will likely depress margins at these retailers for the rest of the year, this distressed inventory is also a huge boon for liquidators. The Wall Street Journal reports that Home Buys, Columbus, Ohio off-price retailer is selling name brand washers and dryers at 40% off regular price. Also, large discounters like TJ Maxx and Ross are benefiting as well. While the hard goods market makes sense for issues and seems to line up with what Costco is saying, the article also mentions that outdoor furniture is an issue too, which Costco does not corroborate in its own earnings data. Likely the explanation for this is that the difference between having inventory at the wrong time instead of the entire category not doing well with consumers. Usually the summer is not a great time for liquidations because a lot of excess would have been cleared out post-holiday, but this year is a huge exception. Further evidence of this trend could also be seen by the fact that major retailers like Target, Kohl's, and Bed Bath & Beyond also hopped on Prime Day and used it as a liquidation opportunity. As a consumer, too much inventory is also affecting the returns process. Keep in mind, while the average retailer makes about 5 cents out of every dollar when they sell an item, it could take about 15 cents to process a return. This is an expensive way to run a business. News outlets also reporting that shoppers returning clothing to the store are getting refunds but are sometimes being told to keep those items because they don't have space to put the excess stock and it's affecting their profitability too much. Our third story. Victoria's Secret restructures its management team and executes layoffs. Daphne Holland from Retail Dive and others are reporting some major changes that just happened at Victoria's Secret. Let's review what's going on. First, the company is merging its Victoria's Secret, Pink, and Beauty brands into one streamlined organization after having separated them out in the past. Second, the company is laying off about 5% of its home office workforce. This does not include things like retail stores and supply chain, just corporate. Third, there's a major management change, whereas Chris Rupp, the former chief digital and customer officer at Grocer Albertsons and a former Amazon technology leader, has joined the company as its chief customer officer. It's also joined by Greg Eunice, who was previously over beauty and is now the chief growth officer of the entire business. After building the world's largest lingerie business over multiple decades, the brand has fallen on hard times in the past several years. Recall that its owner, L Brands, closed over 50 stores back in 2019 before trying to sell its majority stake in 2020 to Sycamore Partners. Ultimately, that deal fell through and the company later went public in 2021. From my perspective, the company needed major changes and definitely the pink brand has been off recently so some major brand restructuring was needed in order to revitalize the company. Bringing Chris Rupp, the former Amazoner who managed fulfillment by Amazon and launched the first Prime Day ever, is very interesting. I expect this highlights the importance of both digital and supply chain investments needed to transform the iconic brand going forward. And our last story, Amazon Prime Day recap, always crazy, but still great for Amazon. Of course, it wouldn't be the Watson Weekly without some mention of Prime Day, which just happened on July 12th and 13th. I always appreciate the merchandising madness that shows up on Prime Day. It's one day when all the crazy products and deals come up and are all merchandised on the same page. Here are a few points I noticed throughout. CPG in general seemed like it had strong performance as people were looking for discounts at household staples. Data sources I'm close to seem to indicate a slight pullback in non-essential consumer goods which would be consistent with the focus on needs rather than wants this Prime Day. On home items that I was personally stocking up on, 
Discounts seem solid. At least 35% seem to be pretty common. Some were enlightening deals, which indicates to me that these promotional vehicles are getting broad usage, especially by major players looking to drive volume. There's a huge plus in use of Amazon advertising across the board, which continues the growth of that channel. Some of Curie Master's sources are reporting that this is one of the top e-commerce sales days so far this year, which would make obvious sense. I checked in on a few of the live video streams and came away with two thoughts. If live streaming is going to work, I still believe that Amazon is more likely to make it work than anyone. I also feel that Amazon still hasn't nailed the format. On mobile, I couldn't buy directly on the live stream. I had to go to a product page, which takes me off the video. While the format did allow me to flip through many live streams, if I got captivated by any one, wouldn't it be better to keep you on the page and give me a one-click buying experience? That wasn't easy. Marketplace Pulse also reported that the beta buy with Prime merchants also participated in Prime Day promotions on their own websites, making it clear that Amazon is not just about fulfillment and a buy button for its buy with Prime offer. It's also about pushing promotions directly to the storefront. This is an angle I didn't quite anticipate, but makes a lot of sense. Looking forward to see if there's another Prime Day later this year in October, as has been rumored. October is not too far off, and imagine the idea is to give a strong kickstart to the holiday season, especially in a time where inventory levels are still high. Finally, the most common report I've seen states that Prime Day is about five times the typical day of sales on Amazon, which hey, I'll take that. While I think it's difficult for Amazon to execute something like this every quarter, I would not be surprised at all if we actually did move to two consistent prime days a year at strategic points going forward. It's that time, friends, for our Investor Minute. We have five items on the menu today. First, FlexE raises $119 million to help enterprises expand their logistics footprint affordably. In this market, any kind of up round is good to see and has to be based on solid growth. Congrats to my friend David Glick, the CTO of FlexE and the CEO on the $1 billion valuation milestone in a tough market. Second, DoorDash is closing robotics company Chowbotics that it had acquired last year in February 2021. Usually we talk about acquisitions here, but we can talk about shutdowns too. The idea that these robots were supposed to make you a salad in an unintended kiosk. That idea that you can put healthy food that spoils in an unattended kiosk is probably not the brightest one. Of course, I have to be honest here. I included this in here just to include the word chowbotics in the podcast. Third, online retailer Verishop raises a $40 million Series B round led by Lion Capital. Verishop came on the market several years ago and unlike many others, explicitly said it was not going to be a marketplace and was going to buy inventory. That changed pretty quickly, of course, as they added a marketplace model, and now that seems to be central to their model. Fourth, cold cookie company Last Crumb just raised a $3 million seed round. The company ships limited quality drops of cookies to consumers nationwide and have to join a waitlist just to get access to the box. The business model worries me because it seems like someone just put an NFT in a cookie. What happens when the cookie is out of fashion? And finally, Aggregator Pattern Brands just raised another $25 million to continue its brand building. Unlike most aggregators, the smallness of the raise number really stands out. The company is more likely focused on long-term brand building than just trying to flip brands quickly. Building new online-only brands is difficult in this market unless you have some kind of customer acquisition edge, so we'll see how this develops. It's possible this family of brands could become a digital lab for a much larger entity in the future if they remain capital efficient. That's all for this week. 
Until next time, Watsonians. Hi, I'm Rick Watson, CEO and founder of RMW Commerce Consulting and host of the Watson Weekly Podcast, your essential e-commerce digest. Our show is produced by Citizen Racecar. Alex Brower is the producer and also wrote our theme music. The executive producer is David Hoffman. To hear new episodes of the show every Monday morning, subscribe now at rmwcommerce.com slash Watson Weekly and wherever you get your podcasts.